If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Ida Murad. Welcome, Ida. Look (laughs) at how she's glowing. If you're just listening, you have to watch the video. She is a bright light in this world and just glowing because I think she's on purpose with her mission and helping people heal through art. Ida Murad is an Arab U.S.-based impact artist whose mission is to help people feel seen, heard, and loved through art. How incredible. She was raised in Jordan and has formed her art career in New York, Washington, D.C., and currently resides in Los Angeles to expand your art collection there, right? Yep. (laughs) Yes, she's making her moves. She paints with her fingers, never a paintbrush due to a past health trauma. She became an artist because she had rheumatoid arthritis. Today, Ida combines her expertise as an artist, Reiki master, intuitive, and coach to create transformational art experiences, which I've been to. I've been lucky to experience that. It's so incredible. And fine art by painting with her fingers to both beautify people's physical spaces and elevate the energy. And it's amazing how much negative energy a home can hold. It's really needed. I mean, it's not like a nice to have. And we could talk about that more as I just want to finish her bio. Her bio could probably go on for a few pages, but (laughs) it's just a few more. As of March 2023, Ida has sold out 10 collections and has been featured in 30 exhibitions. Her artwork has been published by the University of Cambridge with world-renowned artist Ai Weiwei, creating art installations for TED Arabic and featured globally, including in TED, Voice of America, Reuters, TRT World, Al Jazeera, and the United Nations. She is named as the 2022 Georgetown University Artist in Residence to create healing art for the Lombardi Comprehensive Cancer Center. Welcome, Ida. Thank you, Carissa. Thank you for having me. Such I a can't joy. believe it. it's taken me so long to interview you. I've known Ida for a couple of years now. Yeah. It always happens in divine timing. Like that's... Yeah. I'm so glad we're doing this now and I know we'll reveal our collaboration. So it's just perfect timing. Yeah. Today is a special day. It's March 8th, International Women's Day. Woohoo! <laughs> we're here to shine our light so that others can feel welcome and inspired to shine their light. 
as well. What does this day mean to you? So it's interesting. My, it has to be every day if that sounds cheesy, but that's what honestly came to mind. It's, it's, I, I do appreciate days that are focused on celebrating certain missions and causes, but for me, I see, I have a love for the divine feminine, divine masculine, right? And we both as men and women have both, right? The feminine and the masculine. I would say, what does this day mean to me? It's just like any other day, to be honest, because yeah. every day has to be Women's Day mm. and Men's Day. You know, it's for me because mm. I just but it's a question. Are we embodying this beautiful divine feminine and masculine? And that's the conversation I actually want to have. Like, of course, mm. having basic rights um, for women. That's that. That's why this is an important day we've done great strides but i'm interested in as a human how do we embody that beautiful balance in masculinity and femininity mm, yeah absolutely and you're right we both we have both we have that divine masculine and divine feminine and i feel like there is a rising of the divine feminine that it's time for us to take our place in leadership, in business and everywhere. So I feel that by men stepping into their feminine is more allowing us to be in that place, to, to, mm -hmm. to be okay, to relinquish that, that power that maybe has been in imbalance and, and get more back into balance, maybe having more feminine energy and then going into that. Yeah. yeah. And you know, Carissa, for me, actually, my challenge has been connecting more with my feminine energy mm -hmm. because I, you know, when I have something in my mind that I want to do, I like doing it and I like doing it at full force. I don't know what 50% or 80% means. I like 150%. Mm -hmm. And I've been so conditioned. And that's the beauty of masculine, the divine masculine, like the yeah. emperor, right? Like he, he mm -hmm. is in charge. He gets things done. But my homework has been in this chapter. how to just do less efforting and more allowing. Like, yes, it gets to be easy. And yes, I can be this empress and receive. And that takes courage and takes a confidence in self and a, a trust in life that I think we can all benefit from. Yeah. And that's so profound. That's amazing. And I think it's healthy too, because so much of our society is in that masculine energy and that's how we get things done. But how can we go and then take a step back and, and receive more? And that is that feminine, that's that feminine way of being. It doesn't mean that you can't be a leader and drive forward. It's just standing in that power of being instead of doing. Yeah. And, and even that word leader and femininity and receiving like mm -hmm. that, again, it takes real courage and power to do that. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, it's a muscle that as a society, we don't foster enough. I'm going to stop there. Yeah. 
Well, I just think it's so profound and amazing. And yeah, you know, we could have a whole call about this topic. I just was curious, where are you calling from today? I am in Jordan uh, and I'm fidgeting a lot because there's this dog around me that keeps <laughs> licking my feet and wants to be part of this call. <laughs> so I am in Jordan. Oh my, <laughs> my gosh, you can feel our yeah. energy. Well, he's so quiet. So <laughs> He's quiet, but he just likes licking everything. And I'm like, no, I'm on a call. <laughs> that's so funny. He's feeling your uh, divine feminine coming through. <laughs> Receive. <laughs> Let's. I don't want to receive that though. No, I know. I'm teasing you, but I think that's amazing because you're in your homeland. How do you feel being there? And um, and what's what are you up to there? Yeah. So it's interesting. Today I bumped into a friend that I knew from high school, and I was just talking to him. I'm like, so much. Like if if we go back to ourselves who were in high school, our younger self. Yeah. So much of my life is different than, and, and I would never have imagined that at 33, I'll be a full-time artist. And I didn't even know that art was my purpose, that healing was my purpose. I just, it wasn't even a thought mm. that this could be possible. Yeah. So I'm, I'm amazed and so grateful. And we'll go into the story of how I became, in, became an artist, but then also there's this real thought, like I am not married and mm. I'm not in a relationship. And that's another thing that of expectation that I had, but you know, by 33 yeah. was given, I'm going to be with my love and my yeah. husband I'll be living in Jordan, but I'm not. And I am conscious. There is a mixed feelings of emotions with that. Like there is sadness mm. But then there's also going back to that feminine of there's a real trust with life that of this divine timing. And then also this going to our theme of joy. Like I have plenty of joy in my life because I am doing what I love. And I'm so proud to be here in Jordan and conscious of that. And even the reason I'm in Jordan now is because I'm commissioned to do an art installation in Qatar with Ted in Arabic. And that's a dream to create an installation around the power of love using the Arabic language. And I'm going to have maybe around 2000, around 2000 people come and paint with their fingers. And, Yay! Yeah. Oh my God, that's incredible. I remember when you had that intention, I remember yeah. doing a session and you had that intention and here it is manifest. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. How does that feel in your body that oh, you created that? The first immediate answer was like this whole heart expansion. Yeah. And then the, the, the next thought was like, it's, it's this heart expansion craves more attention because I am going back to the start of our conversation of the masculinity, like I don't take time to celebrate. Like I don't take time to rejoice in the things that I've manifested. I'm like, okay, great, done, on to the next one. Or I'm, you know, trying to figure out, I start to worry about, oh, is this going to work out the way I wanted? Yeah. Um, is this problem? So so the, the honest answer is heart expansion and I'm so grateful, but I need to foster more 
moments of celebration to say, Mm -hmm. Aida, I am proud of you. Relax, breathe, and trust that it's going to be better than you ever imagined it to be because it already is. Yeah. Um, So I need more celebration. And thank you for reminding me of that. Yes, I know. I asked you that for a reason because that is so important to recognize that, okay, yes, you're on a journey and there's always more. There's always going to be more amazing opportunities and things that come up. But this in particular feels like a milestone for you that is incredible. It really is. And even to be honest, like our collaboration, which maybe we can say a few sentences about what we're oh, up to. Sure, sure, definitely. Um, we can talk about that. Yeah, so like what you and me are planning on doing is is creating a being in joy exhibit. It'll be my 31st exhibition, first, uh, I mean, second one in LA, first solo exhibit in LA. Mm-hmm. I had my first solo in New York um, last year, but what we're doing is an exhibit around being in joy. And I'm not a traditional artist, nor do I ever want to be one. I I entered art because it's what I love and it's what I want to do. So I'm sharing this because I'm not following the rules of, of the art world. I am doing, I am operating based on what feels good. And Carissa, partnering with you feels really good. Like how fun would it be? to partner with who you actually want to partner with, who you will enjoy having dinner with, who you'll also, you know, take decisions and operate in alignment. And one of the ways we operate in alignment is really leaning into our intuition Mm, and knowing that, you know, there's a mind, body, heart, soul consultation to be had before taking a decision. And I am so excited about our collaboration because I, one part, it frees me from doing one plus one equals two. It it allows me to do what I really want, which is collaborating with people who I love, who have same values and are going to spread a message of light and healing and joy. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you brought it up. It's amazing. I've been wanting to collaborate with Ida for a long time. And, and we thought about in New York and, and now she's in LA and, and I know a lot of people in LA. So I think it it was just like more in alignment with me and my comfort level as well. Since I lived in LA for 20 years, I went to USC and, um, Anyway, I, I really excited about this in particular, because I I feel like over the past few years, there hasn't been enough joy or focus on that in people's lives. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, um, reintroducing this. Can we just have fun? Can, can mm-hmm. we be in joy in life? Can we work and, and love what we're doing and, and you embody that so much. So I think it, it can help people think about that. Like, am I being in joy in my life? So I I wanted it to also be a reflection. Am I being in joy or is this going to ignite something in me? So I'd love for you to talk about if you feel like now is a good time for Mm -hmm 
what you envisioned as the pillars of joy and how your art came about because originally it was like a few pieces and then it really expanded. Yeah. So let me just pull up the document where here it is. So first I want to start with the concept of the muscles. Like I say, we are creatures of habit. So we are either fostering the stress muscle, the sadness muscle, the joy muscle. And we it's also beautiful. We are a spectrum yeah. of emotions, right? And I, I I I respect sadness as much as I respect joy because or grief. You know, we have to allow ourselves to experience that. But then at the, at the end of the day, what I want to live in is joy. Because as I've worked on my traumas and 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 you've been part of that, right? In our healing sessions, I have space for joy. And I realize I just haven't fostered that muscle. Same as going to the gym. I just need to go to the joy gym. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Gym. So um, first that's, it starts with that conscious, conscious decision. Do you want to live a joyful life or not? Yeah. And I have that craving. So my, my pillars of joy that I've, I've outlined and, and in the exhibit will have for each pillar, a painting associated with it and a short story. So the first pillar is contrast. In order to know that you want joy, you have to have experienced the contrast of it, of not of that moment of realizing, oh, so there's joy and there's not joy. So we start with contrast. And that's why I appreciate contrast. Yeah. You cannot see black without white. Then the second is making space. Mm. So the painting that I've paired with it is let loose and dance and it's and if you look at it it's quite a messy painting because hard when you when when you have that intention like yes i want to birth joy in my life it's like i don't know where to go and part of it is we need to let ourselves become messy and kind of rebuild from there and that's where where dancing and moving your body comes in. Uh, and then the third part is visioning, like creating a vision of your feeling. Because at the end of the day, what we really want is to feel something. Like we want money. We want this house because we want a feeling of something. Like in my case, it's safety mm. or it's freedom. Mm-hmm. So I created this painting um, called, I don't know, there's, there's some background music. Um, I created this feeling that of, of, of basically starting new of this, and it's a very ethereal painting, um, but it embod- it, it's the vision of the feeling. And then after visioning comes embodying. So it's easy to visualize, right? And that's a muscle in itself to visualize, but then to embody it. And this painting actually behind us is the embodying feeling like Mm. my heart is alive. That's the title. So I now take moments during the day to say, stop, visualize the feeling, connect with it, but then embody it and Mm -hmm. feel it. Like how would I truly feel right now in my body? And if you're listening or or watching, like take a moment with us Mm -hmm. to connect with joy how does it feel in your body? 
How does your foot react? Your hands. So really embodying that. And then comes the sixth pillar, the fifth pillar of weaving and rewiring. Because as you connect with joy, you're going to need to reshuffle some stuff. And that's where grief will come in, you know, to mourn the past moments or whatever it is. But we need to rewire. And the painting titled with that is Birthing Joy. It's, uh, and then after the weaving and rewiring comes an inner alignment. Mm-hmm. Like you start to embody your inner oasis. And then comes the formula of the seventh pillar of letting go and trusting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if we're going to be like conscious, always grasping, looking mm-hmm. for joy, we're not going to get it. It's only when we embody that and let it go and trust it's coming. Yeah. It's like every time I fall in love is when I stopped looking for love. And I just knew like, I am love and he's coming. So I stopped looking for him. And then he just finds me like all these men start to come. Um, oh, and- <laughs> amazing. That's such a great analogy. I love it. Yeah. And then the last two pillars is, is receiving support. Where to recognize that you're never, you don't do things alone. Mm-hmm. And the, the painting with it, I'll actually love later on to dive into it because I painted it with my eyes closed with my thumb and came an image of a man Mm. and I connected with him and he is one of, he's one of my ancestors. Oh, It feels like a native American and is to recognize. And that's part of the divine feminine is when you ask for something, also learn to receive support from your ancestors and whether they're alive or not. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And then finally, the ninth pillar is the manifestation of it. Mm. And it only comes after all these. Yeah, that's, yeah. So it's like a sequential order that is powerful. That's powerful. And I know we have a workshop also on March 25th. So how will that be different than the exhibit? So people can go to the exhibit for free and see Ida's art, experience it with the opportunity to buy it. We'll have refreshments and appetizers. And, but we're also going to have a workshop to embody it. Yes. So the workshop will be about two hours and both of ourselves and, and another person will be joining and sharing our gifts, but it'll, it'll be a time for you to where we're going to have exercises for you to process your relationship with joy while being held. That's simply it. We're going to do embodiment exercises to connect to your body. We're going to do a meditation, some journaling, some group discussion, but it really goes back to, we're going to process your relationship with joy, hold space for you for nonverbal and verbal communication. And that's why I think the arts is so important and powerful because in in this modern day world, we're really, we really lean on verbal communication, but I'm a big advocate for nonverbal because we store so much in our subconscious and in our body. And that's the intention is to hold space for people. And if you can't make it to this workshop, then the seed is planted. You, you go find a way to foster this dialogue with your relationship with joy in verbal and nonverbal verbal ways. Yeah. 
And I, I love when you were talking about the pillars too, uh, that we don't do this journey alone, whether it's with our ancestors or our inner child, but there's also a uh, power of being in this joy in community, like being with other women where you can dance together and circle or being with your family and letting loose and um, feeling, experiencing that joy together, I think just magnifies it even more. Yeah. And even on that point, like nature comes in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I remember during the pandemic, uh, I spent a lot of time alone and then I realized that I'm not alone. I have the monarch butterfly. Mm. I had the trees. Like I was in communion with nature. And yes. so if you don't have the luxury, and even if you do have the luxury of having people around you, there's a whole world within nature to support you. They want to support you. Yeah. And and talking about nature, I, I feel like nature has a gift if you will receive it to experience joy and beauty on a whole nother level or go into a portal of another dimension of just being in this reality of bliss. Mm. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, through animals, through flowers, if you, we will take the time and not rush and nature is always showing its gifts if we will take a moment to experience it and commune with it and be with it. So mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. One of my favorite analogies I keep saying is, you know, my job is to be the sunflower. Like mm -hmm. If you think about it, the sunflower, it doesn't, its job is not to find the bees. Its job is to be open oh. and the bees will find it. But part of also having the sunflower be open, it needs an ecosystem, right? It needs the sun. It needs to be watered. It needs healthy soil. And then its job is to be open. And then the things, you know, the the heart, divine orchestra of nature, the bees will find it. So it's just a beautiful embodiment of mas divine masculine and feminine. Ah, yes. Oh, my God. That's incredible. I love it. I, I want to go into your own healing journey a little bit. Can you tell me about your initial diagnosis and how it made you feel? Yeah, so it started when I was a senior in college and it happened overnight where I just was not able to first move my hands. Like I remember it very clearly. I woke up, I had this ritual where I would pick up my mug that... Um, was hand painted from uh, Jordanian community here. Mm -hmm. And it was very special because I was in DC at the time and mm -hmm. I was very homesick. So having these small things that reminded me of home were very important. And so I picked up the mug, but I couldn't hold it for some reason. So I, I broke the first mug and then I held another one and then I broke that one. And then I, by, I think by the third mug, I just realized like something was wrong. And within about 48 hours, 24 to 48 hours, my whole body just started closing, uh, meaning I couldn't move. So, and and what, what happened is basically severe rheumatoid arthritis causes inflammation in your joints. And if they're severely inflamed, then you can't, like any movement is extreme pain. 
Mm. I ended up not being able to go to classes anymore. I had to uh, switch my major because I couldn't go to finish the last few classes. And that was extremely hard because I'm uh, say I'm a proud person. Like I work hard for, for my, for the things that I do. And I was really proud about graduating bachelor of science in economics. You know, that's Mm -hmm. that required high levels of math. Um, So I couldn't do that anymore. And then I was ashamed to see any friends because I was, you know, I was a, I was a very social person. I started working since I was 13 and I had a job lined up for me and um, great social life. So it was, it was traumatic to be so weak so quickly and so young mm-hmm. so yeah during that time I um I actually did also didn't know how to ask for help so yeah. I didn't really tell my family how bad things were I just kind of hid it and disappeared and then came a point where I needed more money to pay for bills for the doctor bills and again I didn't I could have called my parents for support which I'm very lucky that I had that but I didn't. So I ended up selling everything that I owned and uh, that wasn't enough. And, and it's, it's funny. It's these small things. Like I remember selling my Jordanian plates, like those were pieces of home for me. And it was extremely mm. hard to do that. And then I used eBay to buy and sell things to just pay the bills. And and that actually, from that experience, I started my first uh, company in Jordan. It was the first e-commerce platform. Anyway, but um, I tried Western medicine. It didn't work for me. Like the pain reduced, but the side effects were pretty, pretty significant. And then came a moment where I just wanted to end my life. And then uh, an angel appeared to me. Mm. And and I I was so clear and just said, it's not your time. And, Mm. And that was the first time I learned about the power of my thoughts, my words, my actions. And, and we had to, she showed me those tools. And that's where I just knew I'm going to be healed. I just, I just, yeah, that's, that's, I went into military training with myself of of my thoughts, my words, my actions, like everything had to align to Mm. me being healthy. Like it is done. It is done. Yeah. And then solutions started coming. Solutions coming. Did you ever paint um, before? No. And, no, and- I mean, as a child, you know, in in kindergarten, cool. uh, <laughs> yeah, they- <laughs> but even in high school or middle school, like there was no art, uh, but no, I never, I never painted. I, I, I knew my aunts painted, uh, my grandmother's painted, but oh. it, they, they were also self-taught. I'm self-taught. Mm-hmm. I'm the first professional artist in the family. And again, I had to go through so much internal struggle and battles with rewiring that, hey, it is possible for me to be an artist and a thriving one. Yeah. Because a lot of the societal narratives that you see is around the starving artist. Mm. And I I work too hard and I don't want to be starving anything. I want to be thriving. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So what was that moment? Uh, Did you have a voice inside your head that said, pick up some paint and. Oh yeah. I remember that moment very clearly. I was, so I had two episodes of the, the semi paralysis. Um, And I say semi because some days I could, and even one in one single day, that was the really tough mental part of 
I never know when my body is going to stop functioning. So I was in a constant state of anxiety. Uh, So there was one day when I moved back to the U.S. after coming to Jordan again. Uh, And doctor said at the rate that your hands are are degenerating uh, and you can see like in this hand it looks different from this one right because mm. um, of the bone erosion um, they said that you're likely never going to use your hands again and then at the same time I was applying for jobs in the U.S. and I didn't have the words of what depression meant I didn't know because I didn't have that mental health mm. uh, language so when in the interviews, they asked me why should we hire you? And I said, I have no idea because I genuinely had no idea why I was special, why I was on this earth. And I didn't get the job. <laughs> but I remember going back um, home and for some reason I ended up buying paint. Um, mm. And I started painting with my fingers because I was asking God, like, why am I here? Like you gave mm. me a unique fingerprint. That I know. But yeah. what else? So I just started painting with my finger, like one fingerprint at a time, trying to maybe, like I said, if I keep painting, maybe I'll unlock why I'm here. And that's that, that was the moment that I started painting. Oh, that's so beautiful. So it was in Jordan. No, it was in DC. Oh, it was in DC. Okay. Got it. Got it. So do you feel like that was a dark time, like your darkness transformed into light? Yeah. So I say uh, my, the arthritis, that episode was my shadow and mm. my art is my light. And, and I, I'm, I, I always say like, I would, wouldn't change anything because yeah. my worst thing got me to the best thing that I've ever experienced. And I I don't wish that upon anyone, but I realized that I got a gift out of this. Mm. Now the homework for me is I also don't want to have this narrative in my head that only from intense suffering can I get good stuff. Right. right. Um, now right. I'm like, okay, thank you for guiding me and waking me up to my purpose because I was an economist. I was an economist at the Jordanian government and also working with startups and strategy and partnerships. Never would I have considered art. I don't, I don't think I actually would have ever done that unless I was woken up in such a traumatic way. Mm. And now my homework is going to the start of our conversation is how can I actually keep living a life beyond my imagination with ease and love and joy? Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, it feels like all of that history of you being an economist is helping you in your business and and helping your business grow. It's like so amazing to marry those two minds and uh, that creative side and right brain, left brain. Yeah. So I, it's funny, I was talking, so I'm designing a couple of programs, which I'll announce soon around building more polymaths. Mm. Like I believe that we have barely tapped, each human has barely tapped into its potential, his mm-hmm. her potential. And I'm an advocate that the arts isn't just for, you know, putting beautiful objects on the wall, or it's not just about healing. It is for 
also helping us thrive, helping us innovate. Like if you look at the greatest thinkers, even there's a there's a paper about the top, I think the top 22% of Nobel Prize winners in science are polymaths. So meaning a polymath is someone who, um, for example, is a chemist, but also knits. Mm-hmm. He does something creative. And and so I, I actually do workshops for uh, innovation teams to have them paint so mm-hmm. they can approach their problem or whatever they're trying to solve and innovate in, mm-hmm. in a different perspective. Mm. So I would say, yeah, those, those help. Yeah. yeah, I love that, that, that you recognize that within yourself and you're trying to bring that out in others to help people succeed, to help corporations succeed and teams dive deeper because a lot of times you can get so stuck in one way. There's one way to do it, but art can open up your mind and you can be creative. And when you let go and are in that space, then the solution might just come or be even more powerful than you could have ever imagined. I think that's so cool. I mean, they have a lot of research about how, how music does that for individuals and art. And, and so it's not a new concept, but I, I love how you're putting it together. That's going to be exciting. Oh, it's definitely not a new concept. It's been there for, for decades. Mm -hmm. It's just the question is how many people are listening to that and how many people (laughs) are doing it and doing it. Right. Yeah. Like taking the time. Yeah, because if you look at budgets, even in governments and like, what, what are the t- first things that usually get cut off or even in education system, right? Yeah, in schools. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll remove, yeah, we'll remove art first because that's a nice to have, but I'm advocating that's a must have for everyone. Mm. That was going to be one of my questions. I said, do you believe anyone can be an artist? That's amazing. Yeah. You, you like to bring that out in everyone. Well, what did this process teach about your, yourself? What what did this whole journey of having rheumatoid arthritis and learning art? I mean, I, I would answer this question differently probably every day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I think in this present moment, it's reminding me that anything is possible. Mm. And... The other part is, you know, I'm, I'm today, for example, I'm very stressed today and I could feel it in my body. My nervous system is, is not doing great. And I'm like, Haida, this is your second chance. Don't live it this way. Don't. Why are you doing it? I'm choosing, I'm choosing to be stressed. Mm. No matter how many people say, oh, it's a be, it's, it's my condition's but my question is like, can I be in this in this state, in this situation? And again, I don't have a bad situation. It's just, I mean, I have I have fears, I have doubts, I have worries. Um and I can still be in peace and I can still feel thriving. And so I would say I'm trying to remember, because I think forgetfulness is our our biggest um I don't want to say weakness, but for lack of a better word, weakness as humans, we, we, we experience a lesson and then we forget it. So now my remembrance is Aida, this is your second life. Live it the way you actually want to live it, which is 
enjoy. I want to have fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, tell me about your transformational art journeys. Why is it important to use your body and not brushes? So first, first, my mind thinks in bullet points. Um, First bullet point (laughs) is there is such an intimate feeling when you, there's no, there's no medium between you and your creation. Mm. That you only, you have to experience it like painting with your fingers versus painting with a paintbrush. Like once you experience it, you, you, you connect with your creation in a whole other way. So that's bullet point one. Number two is there's such a beautiful thing to kids and children. Like there, there is a, I don't want to say purity, but a approach to life of enjoying the journey rather than obsessing of the outcome. So when, when you paint with your fingers, you get messier, you know, you're, you're, you're enjoying it more. And I think as adults, we've forgotten that. We've forgotten that, yeah, we get to be messy and we get to create. And yeah, um, third part, third bullet point is uh, when you paint with your body, you tap into your body wisdom and you release, you release energy. Yeah. I'll stop. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, so that's one of the reasons that your art is so special. And, and also there's, there's other aspects of it too. Um, What makes your art unique? So one is I, I truly, I channel my art. I, it sometimes doesn't matter whether my eyes are open or closed. I, I, my job is to make space listen and follow the energy i never have a specific plan like i don't have a vision in my head and i put it on 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 canvas every time i've tried to it just doesn't work out and i usually paint seven to eight at the same time and each painting seven to eight paintings and each painting has on average about six to seven layers of paint and that's important why because it removes the pressure of creating one painting to get done you know like it, it's just I'm more enjoying the process and trusting it like I'm not thinking oh this looks ugly or this looks doesn't look well I'm like because yeah. it's not done so then as soon as I start like painting from my mind I stop uh-huh. when I'm painting in flow when I'm painting in flow that's where the magic happens so I think first the 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 process of that, that process is very important because you can feel if the energy was pure or not. Like at least when I look at painting at at any painting, I can just feel the energy of the person when they were creating it. Mm. And then second part is I'm a Reiki master. So I do Reiki on all of the paintings And then the third part is I also, and this is more in my more recent work, is I speak light language to it. Mm. And I'm 
again, channeling this, this energy that comes out in the form of light language. And I don't know how to describe what light language is. If you feel free to describe that, but it's, yeah. So um, I would say those three things and I have stories to tell you, like I'll give you maybe one specific example. Okay. So I had this man, um, so I painted this painting while creating it. She was, it's called Isabel. While creating it, I was crying most of the time. And I could feel this man who was in his 70s mourning a woman who he loved and lost. I couldn't tell if it was a wife, a mother, or I just, I could, and I I could feel I was, we were celebrating her light and also mourning the gap that she's left. Everyone loved this painting. For eight months, it wasn't selling, and I couldn't understand why. And then I just said, you know what? I'm going to trust you painting. And this is part of my process is it's an energetic match. So once the person is ready for the painting, they find each other. So he walks into my studio, and we've been trying to coordinate a time for him to come for a year. He walks in. As soon as he sees it, he tears, and he's like, that is exactly how I felt the moment my mother passed away. And he said, my mother lives in that painting and he bought it and he has over 500 paintings. And that's a painting he chose to put in his bedroom because he says, now I wake up and I say, good morning to my mother. Like she's there and she lives in that corner. Like I can't make this stuff up. That's, that's the power of my art. Um, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And how do you feel? I know you also do commissions. Um, but how do you feel about how your art can change a space? Like, can you take us through an example of maybe a space clearing or yeah. Yeah. So one, I usually personally deliver paintings and I'm very involved in the process. So even if someone was to commission or not commission a painting, they get a session with me because and a session includes like assessing where like one, what's their intention and mm-hmm. what, what needs to be removed, whether it's physically from their life, their house or other aspects of their life. And we do a tour of the space to notice like where their energy blocks. And I also fun fact, I don't usually sign the front because of the painting because I recognize that we as humans change. So I like to give them the option of rotating the painting as they change because the, you get four paintings in one, right? Depending on how you're aligning it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you a specific example. I had uh, I have an art collector uh, in LA. They first wanted to buy just one painting. And this was at the height of COVID. They ended up buying seven why because they said by quarter to quarter we noticed our stress levels significantly decreased because every time we got stressed we just looked at the art and we relaxed wow and they said our energy the energy of our house shifted and now they have a baby and what they do is they do art tours with the baby twice a day because it helps with brain development because of um, the colors and the different patterns. So -hmm. it's interesting. I'm also fascinated with my art collectors to see how they end up using the art. 
Yeah, it's like research for you. Well, I know our time is up here. It's been such a pleasure diving deeper into your story and hearing about the power of your art. So sweet to imagine that baby. I know. <laughs> like rewiring their brain, expanding their genius. So I'll put your website, Ida Murad, A-I-D-A-M-U-R-A-D.com and a link to the Being in Joy exhibit and workshop in the show notes. So thank you for being so amazing and for being on my show. I'm so excited for you and your adventure in Qatar and how many millions of people you will bless with your art. Thank you. Thank you, Carissa, for having me. I appreciate you. You're welcome. If you'll be in the Los Angeles, California area, March 23rd, join us for a free healing art exhibition and March 25th for a paid workshop. I look forward to meeting you there. Details can be found in the show notes and on Eventbrite. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Zen Success is also available on the radio in select markets through amfm247.com. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen Success in life.